Well, uh, good morning. It is great to be with you. The last time I had the privilege of sharing with you out of my limited understanding of God and his word was as a fall summit speaker a few years ago. That was a pretty cool time for me. Got to see God do a number of things as we unpacked truth and I'm, I'm honored to be back with you today. Uh, I am a pastor. I serve in a church in the Quad Cities, a multi-site church, a few locations in a couple of states and it's actually the church that John Bray had served at before I arrived. And um, I, I have a privilege of serving in that space, but I have the privilege of being alongside those in that space. I am also a, a member of the Board of Trustees, so I have the privilege of serving the university as a member of that team. And I'm grateful for do, to do it. I am an alumni. I'm married to an alumni. Uh, I have my oldest son is an alumni. And I actually wear a number of hats in my life. I have the pastor hat, but I also have the veteran hat, a former army officer. Uh, I am also a former state trooper. Uh, my journey into ministry is what I like to call the remedial track. <laughs> it came after those things. Uh, but the hat I am most proud of is parent. I have two boys. I already said one is a graduate. He's now in law school. Uh, my youngest son, Daniel, is actually a sophomore here at Indiana Wesleyan. And, um, you know, ever since the beginning, he's kind of like mini-me. He and I have had a very special relationship. As a young kid, he was a cutie, and he was hilarious, and we had tons of fun together. In fact, we would wrestle for hours. He would chase me, I would chase him. Both of us wanted to be caught so that we can actually wrestle. And we have done that our entire lives. In fact, when he was little, and the size you see him in the picture here, I used to be able to just by, by strength and, and weight and size manhandle him and win. <laughs> But as he grew older, I had to reach into my law enforcement experience and some of my military training to make sure I held him at bay. And then as he continued to grow into the beast that he is today, I have had to rely on his, his respect for his old man, not to get beaten or ashamed in those moments. But he is someone I'm deeply proud of. I love his heart for God. I love the things that he does to chase God. And I have loved being chased by him and being able to chase him along the way as my son, but I just want you to know, ladies, he is single. <laughs> he is, and he's a catch. In fact, his phone number, if you'd like it, is 724-99, oh, wait a second. Nope, my bad. He said not to embarrass him today. That was my mistake, I got that confused. All right, so just disregard that part of the conversation. But the story's still relevant, I'll make it fit, because here's the deal. As much as I like to be chased by Daniel, and he liked to chase me, we wanted to be caught by each other. And the deal is, God wants to be caught. Your Lord and God wants to be caught by you. And whether you see these moments in this gathering as something that, is, that you're forced here, or something that you're fed here in, whether you see this as required for your day, or essential to your day, there is an inherent beauty and opportunity to us gathering in this space as a community to be present with him. He inhabits the praise of his people. I'm grateful for Tyler and the rest of the team and how they led us in worship and into this moment. And this is a unique, beautiful opportunity because it's about us as a community together. In fact, if you would just indulge me for a moment, I would love for you to turn to somebody to your left or to your right. Just turn to one person, maybe across the aisle or behind you, and I want to give you 30 seconds to share with them about yourself and your day. Just 30 seconds. No more, no less. I'll give you 30 seconds. I'm going to time you. 
you're going to have an opportunity to share. When you're done, we're going to flip. And so you're either going to share first or listen first. I'm only giving you 30 seconds to share by yourself in your day. Ready, set, go. And stop. Okay, that's 30 seconds. If you just shared, you're going to listen. If you just listened, you're going to share. 30 more seconds. Talk about yourself and your day. Go. And stop. There you go. All right, good job. Good job. How did you do? Were you able to do that? Well, yeah. I mean, the reality is we all are capable of sharing about what we know. Whether you like to do it, whether you wanted to do it, whether some of you actually did it at all or not, the reality is you can. We can talk about what we know. We may filter out some details, some content. We may focus on some things. But we are able to talk about what we know, especially ourselves. But let's just do this. I'm going to give you another 30 seconds. I want you to turn to the same person, and I want you to talk about me and my day. Ready, set, and go. Wait, 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 wait. Do you think you can do that as well as you just did the previous 30 seconds? Probably not. Like some of you have already forgotten my name, and I'm just the bald speaker guy. <laughs> okay? Some of you, though, can actually remember a few details I've already shared, and you'll try to recall those. But listen, knowing about me is not the same as knowing me. Unless you are my wife or children who know me best, unless you're Dr. Bray who has spent a significant amount of time with me, unless you're a member of my church family, unless you're in my circle of friends, you, you're not really positioned to know me. I mean, you can know some things about me and you can fumble around in that, but knowing about someone is not the same as knowing them. You don't know my desires, you know my dreams. You, you don't know what makes me cry, you don't know what makes me laugh. You're not really positioned to know me. So if I flip this around for a moment and ask you to turn to the same person and talk about God and his desires and his plans, his interests, what makes him weep, how would you do? Some of you would probably do pretty well because it's directly connected to our personal experience with him. But we struggle to talk about something we don't know, what we haven't experienced. If you know some things about him, you can fumble around a bit and you can throw the information around, but having information is one thing. Actually experiencing him and knowing him is totally different. And when you have experienced him, you now know him, everything begins to change. You know, we try to know God and to understand him. It can, it can feel confusing. It can feel incomplete. We can sense and feel some things. We can say, I, can, I have a sense that he's out there, but I can't, make, I can't make heads or tails of what he's doing. We, we have some semblance of who he is, and we wrestle in all of that. I'm really grateful that we have this thing, the Bible, to help us understand. But we read this not to understand, and, or not, not to just know this, but to know him. Oswald Chambers says, we are not asked to believe the Bible, but to believe the one whom the Bible reveals. Whew, that's good. Because we don't read this just to know this. We read this to know him. So it's wonderful. We can. And today what I want to do, I just want to look at one verse, eight words that position us for the rest of the conversation today. It's Psalm 46, verse 10. Some of you may have it memorized already. It's really simple. It just simply says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Cease striving and know. Relax and let go. Be still and know that I am God. It's a really cool verse because it's a command, it's an invitation, and it's instruction. 
It's a command because he tells us to do it. It's an invitation because there's an offer. We actually can know him. And there's instructions in just kind of breaking down how we know him, how we can. So here's my question for you today. Do you know him? A box with a question mark. Do you know him? If you do know him, how do you know him? And I don't, I don't just mean by the names of God. The names of God are really cool. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. They give context and texture. I'm talking about the ways he has revealed himself in metaphor, imagery. Like that he speaks of himself as shepherd. He's identified in scripture as a shepherd. You know those metaphors? What are some of the other metaphors you know? I just want you to shout them out. If you can think of a metaphor and how we know God, what would be another one? Teacher. Love. Father. God with us, Emmanuel. Listen, there's a lot of them, but let me do this with you. Hang with me. Here's the deal. We spin this around. You see those hands? We can know him as potter. He's the one who designs and shapes us. He, he, he's the master craftsman. We can also know him, as I already said, as shepherd. So here's a staff. He, he is He is shepherd. He leads his flock, he tends his flock, he cares, he protects. 23rd Psalm, man. The Lord's our shepherd. We can also, I know that MA means what? Master's degree. Right. I couldn't fit the word master on this thing, so I just put MA because he is also master. Right? You with me? Hang with me on that. He is master. He has complete authority. He can rule and reign however he wants. He can do what he wants, when he wants. He is master. He is also, listen, he is also warrior. Shout out to the ROTC crew in the room. Uh, Warrior. Exodus 15, the Lord is a warrior. Exodus 14, he will fight for you if you only be still. Okay, so he's, he's warrior. The sword helps us understand that. But he is also king. So this crown reminds us the fact that he, he is the one who rules and reigns in majesty. There's none like him. He is king. But he's also father, as someone, once, as someone said out there. So he's dad. He's, he's dad. Abba. More intimate. He is also friend. BFF. Oh. Listen, but he is also love. Listen, he's lover. The men in the room just cringed. Relax, guys, it's a metaphor. He he calls us his bride, which makes him our groom. The women are like, oh. The guys are like, you're not helping, dude. Relax, it's a metaphor. It's it's, It's the most intimate expression we can know, to be loved and to be known. He is lover. So these are the ways that we can actually know him, all right? These are the ways he's revealed himself. So how do you know him? How do you most know him and recognize him? How do you you see him in in who he is as creator God? How do you drift? Where do you you go when when you turn to him? What do you think of him? How do you relate to him? In fact, I want you to do this. I want you to pick one of these eight. Just pick one. If, you, if only one that says, this is the way I most relate to God. This is the way I prefer to relate to God. I just want you to pick one. And when I come to your one, I want you to raise your hand, okay? Pick one. You're like, well, I've got another one that's not up there. I don't care. Pick one of the eight, please. If you only know how to relate to God in one way, pick one. So how many uh, potter is the way you most relate to him? Uh, master craftsman, awesome. Okay, good. How about shepherd? How many relate to him as shepherd? Yeah, okay, cool. How about master? Who relates to him most as master? 
All right, how about warrior? I'm going to fight for you if you just be still. Cool, cool. King? Really, most of him is king, one who reigns and rules. How about father? Oh, yeah, a lot of hands in that one. How about friend? How about lover? Mostly women. Props to the guys that held your hand up. It's true. He is. Listen, whatever one you pick, I want you to know he's all of these. They're all legit. This is exactly how he communicates and relates to us so that we can relate to him. We, we can know him from these kinds of things and these particular types of metaphors. Now, here's the deal. What happens is that some people will just like dive into one, they'll claim one, and they'll hold to it, and they'll lock down on the set-up camp and say, I, I know him as master. He's my master. He gets to do every once. He has authority. I serve at his pleasure. Done deal. Okay, that's true, but he's more than that. Some people may like lock on to warrior. All right, I was in the military. This, this, this makes sense to me. Warrior. And what ends up happening when all we know of him as warrior, though, is that we fight against everything and everyone. It seems to make sense that we should be able to do that when we only know him as this until we bump in to shepherd, until we bump in to lover. Then we realize, wait a second, there's more. See, these things aren't just a simple representation of authority and hierarchy. I will tell you this. There is a sense of an increasing volition that takes place as we move further and further down here. There's greater and greater freedom down into here. But do not, hear me, do not look at this as a simple progression in hierarchy. It's not. It is not just about authority. It is about love. And quite honestly, if this is all you know about him, that's wonderful and great. But it's incomplete. It's partial. He is the rest of it. And if all you know is this, you're not really positioned to demonstrate that love without the rest of these components. Some people will intersect this at any point. Because you, you, in Sunday school, you learn about him as king. Maybe you learned about him as shepherd or potter. You intersect it somewhere, but hear me. That is not a destination. It's a starting point. We can engage anywhere along the way, intersect any along the way, but then we need to move. We need to move deeper in the one, and we need to move broader across the rest. It is a tragedy when we get stuck in an understanding and relating him only in one way. Because it's incomplete. But he wants to be caught in its entirety. He wants to be known in fullness. Don't get stuck. You know, our ability to understand ourselves is directly related to our understanding of him. It's directly connected to him. You know, I have, I have led in churches of tens, churches of hundreds, churches of thousands. And, and I have been in full-time ministry about 15 years. I was in bivocational ministry before that. Um, when, when I left law enforcement, I left the military into law enforcement, God called me out of that into the ministry, I had no idea how difficult it would be for me. It has, be, it, it has become the most difficult thing I've ever done. The worst dynamics, the worst moments, the most complicated things. It has nearly broken me repeatedly. Hardest thing I've ever done is to step into ministry. Crazy coming out of the military and law enforcement. But for me, that has been the case. It has been a space of brokenness for me. A best of times, worst of times dynamic. A crucible of crushing. And whenever life gets hard, and we know life gets hard, and people can be brutal. But in any of those moments, what we know of him, how we know him, is tested. It can be refined. Some of those difficult spaces for me happened when my mom was diagnosed with cancer and ultimately died way too early, in my opinion. Tested how I knew him. When my wife faced cancer, tested what I knew of him. 
when my closest friends betrayed me, it tested what I knew of him. When all but one friend abandoned me in my first season of ministry, whew, it tested it, but also refined. Because it's those spaces that what we know of him and how we engage with him actually play out in what we're doing and how, who we're actually being in those spaces. Every time it has reframed and refined my understanding of who he is. So my question is, how do you know him? How do you know him? Some of you say, Sean, I already know him. I, I got this and I love you, but hear this. If you think you have it all figured out, it's proof you don't. Wherever you're at in understanding him, there's more. If you only know one of him, if you only know him as king, that's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's true, but there's more. There's more in width and there's more in depth. There's more to know about him as king. There's more to know him in these other metaphors. No one has arrived. So how do you need to know him next? How do you know him now? How do you need to know him next? If we think we have it all figured out, it's proof we really don't. You know, honestly, I picked one of the most difficult times in my life, most painful times in life that challenged my understanding of him. It would have been in my first season of ministry where I experienced threats, literal threats from people in the congregation. I had people stand on platform next to me and call down curses on me. I had secret meetings. It was awful. I got to tell you, I love Christians, but they can be cruel to other Christians. I love them, even in that messiness, but it was cruel. So bad, so bad. There were nights that I would go out to my car and I would check it for an explosive. I am not kidding. That's how messed up the dynamic was and shows you how, much, how messed up I was in that pain. But in spaces of pain, our understanding of God is challenged, but also potentially refined and expanded. In that crazy complexity, I ultimately ended up, ended up in what I call the holiness posture. You know what that is? The holiness posture? I'll show you. It's this. Totally face on the ground, man. Crying out to God. Prostrate before him. Tears flowing down my face. Snot pouring out of my nose. Say, God, where are you? Where are you? What are you doing? What am I supposed to do? And in that space, man, it's, it's messy. It's not pretty at all. And as someone who's faced all kinds of complexity, I've been in that space of asking that kind of question before. But in that space, man, I was broken. And I have walked with God since I was a kid. I've been in ministry for decades. Prominent leader in the community and in the church. And in that desperate space, I'm crying out to him. Snot and tears running down. You know what I heard? Nothing. Nada. Which I am... Totally frustrating when I ask God questions and he doesn't answer the way I want when I want. <laughs> it's just irritating. <laughs> but then I understand in those moments he's actually trying to get me to understand him in a new way, in a different way, in a deeper way. It's a refining space. And every time I face complexity, every time I face pain, I've always had a choice and so do you. What are you going to do next? Who are you going to be? In that particular space, in that season, you know what I did next? I went right back down to crying. <laughs> and I cried, until I, I, I cried until I had no more tears, no more snot to snot out my nose. I had no answers. And I was empty. It wasn't until later that I heard him. It wasn't an audible moment. It was those, that kind of head and heart moment. You ever God speak to your head and to your heart? 
And it was in that moment I heard him say, Sean, I am your deliverer. You don't know it yet, but I am. And I will prove it. You just wait. And you do what I already told you to do. Man, in that moment, I was so grateful. It was like fresh running water into a desert. But it seemed like he stopped a little short. I'm like, okay, great. But how? What are you going to do? What exactly am I supposed to do? But there was nothing more. And I began to realize in that space that he was actually calling me to understand him and embrace him at a new level in the identity of warrior, defender, deliverer, mine. And with that, I was able to get up off the floor and get back to the work and to the task at hand, not because I knew what he was going to do next. I didn't. And not because I had a clear understanding exactly what I was supposed to do. I didn't. But because I had a clearer picture of who he is. Which then positioned me to make a decision of who I was going to be before him. See, one of the nuances about how we understand him, each one of these not only defines him, they define us. So if we embrace him as potter, we're the clay. We're submitted to whatever he wants to do. He can shape and mold and design and redesign. We're the clay. If he's shepherd, we're what? We're the sheep. I mean, we have some freedom to roam in the fold and in the field, but we're under his watch care, his protection, and his correction. And honestly, sheep are kind of dumb sometimes. <laughs> if, if we embrace him as master, it makes us slave. He can do. He has ultimate authority. He can do whatever he wants when he wants. And we submit and we obey. If we look at him as warrior, that, that makes us soldier alongside him in his army. We fight his fights, not ours. We fight his battles. We fight in his strength. We fight under his banner. If we embrace him as king, that makes us citizen. We serve at his pleasure. We have rights and identity in that, but we also submit to that authority in his rule and his reign. If we identify him as father, that makes us son and daughter, which is beautiful. It's wonderful. But it can be complicated if our own father relationships have been challenged. Yet there's a beauty and intimacy to understanding him as Abba, as dad. If we know him as friend, it makes us friend, which has no hierarchy. No hierarchy in friendships, shouldn't be anyway. And if we know him as lover, that makes us beloved. Look, I, I don't know which of these most connects to you, but however which one you lean into, it actually doesn't just define him, it defines us. It defines us in our journey. So my question is who are you going to be in the pain? Who are you going to be when the complexity hits? When the disappointment comes? Who are you going to be in that pain? The temptation is to pull back and withdraw, but reclusive hermit is not one of the options. <laughs> If we're going to be someone in light of who he is. So who are you going to be when the pain comes? Rick Warren once said that you're as close to God as you choose to be. I believe that. I've experienced that. You're as close to God as you choose to be. So who are you going to be when the pain comes? He, he does not. He's not looking for your performance. He's looking for intimacy. He wants to be known. He wants to be caught. And intimacy comes from proximity. Being with so who are you going to be when that pain and complexity comes? There is proximity demonstrated in all of these. The spaces of pain challenge what we know of God. For me, when, when cancer came to my mom, I needed to know him as king. 
When that cancer took her life, I needed to know him as shepherd. When my closest friends betrayed me, I needed to know him as friend. And in the nastiness of church dynamics and seasons, I needed to know him as warrior, defender, deliverer. How do you know him? How do you need to know him next? Without those connections, I would have not been able to continue in ministry. I would have thrown in the towel a long, long time ago. The, my willingness to be able to lean into understanding him in new ways and deeper ways is the only reason I've stayed in. Because it's not about me, it's about him. He defines who I am. I just recognize that who I am going to be is in, directly in light of who he is. So how do you know him? I'm not talking about putting him in a box. I'm talking about understanding him out of the boxes I've given you. And honestly, if we're going to give inspiration without application, it's a bit of a waste of time. So let me give you some specific application for what we're going to do with this. See, how we see him shapes how we interact with him. It shapes the questions we ask of him. Quite honestly, in much of the complexity of my journey, I've been asking the wrong questions. Instead of asking God, what are you going to do? God, where are you? God, what do I need to do? I should have been asking, who am I going to be in light of who he is? When we focus on who we are, not what we do, first, everything begins to fall in place. A friend of mine says, we are not human doings, we are human beings. So I needed to really ask, who am I going to be in light of who he is? Not just, what am I going to do? If I can focus on who I'm going to be in front of him, then it doesn't really matter what he's going to do next or even what he's going to ask me to do next. It's about who I am, not what I do. And the same is true for you and I. He actually wants more for you than from you in all of these dynamics. And any ministry that you live for him out of your life needs to come out of intimacy with him. Your ministry for him comes out of intimacy with him. That comes from proximity and it comes from knowing who you are in front of who he is. So how do you need to know him next? I want to encourage you to invite him in in a new way. To know him. Just, I encourage you to pick one of these today. Just one. To say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time seeking to know you this way, Lord. Chase him. Pursue him. If you are willing to pursue him, he will, he will meet you in the space. He will connect with you in your deepest, darkest pain and your highest joy. Pick one. But pick one not to land. Pick one to learn. Pick one to learn. If you want to know him, you can. Be still and know that he is God. Take the time. Carve out the space. Open up his word. Let him speak to you from his word. Drill down in knowing who he is. But be willing to know more than you already know. Because there is depth and width to who he is. You know, you're learning at a university that is teaching you a lot. But it's also a university that is giving you position or opportunity to learn about him and to know him. I encourage you to maximize that. Come to know him. He wants to be caught. Chase him. He will show up in those moments. He'll reveal more of who he is, but intimacy comes from, from proximity, not knowing about and not information. I want to leave you with a scripture out of Jeremiah 9. I think it frames the conversation and gives us all something to chew on as we get ready to head out. But here's what it says. It says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts, boast 
about this. Ready? That they have the understanding to know me. You have been created by him and for him. You have the understanding to know him if you will be still and know that he is God. There is so much more. My prayer is that you will be a person who's willing to sit in stillness, to sit in risk, to sit in love, to sit in trust, to sit in obedience so you can know him like you've never known him before. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that even in a room like this, there are lots of examples of depth of knowing and following you. And I pray that in this next season of life, that each one of us would know you and encounter you and experience you in a whole new way. If there's spaces of pain, may that be a space of refining our understanding of you. If there's spaces of joy, may it deepen another level of knowing you. But I pray that you would show up, that you would move, that you would reveal in a way that each of my friends here be able to say that they know you and be able to boast in that. So may you speak as we worship. May you speak as we head into the rest of the parts of our day. But may we come to know you. I pray this in the name of the Son, in the name of our Savior, Jesus. And everyone said, amen.